0: So um, I'm just usually like honored to be speaking this morning. Um, And it's always a challenge to speak on a Christmas service because it's so familiar with everybody. Uh, Like we've all heard the stories. We've all kind of, you know, uh, sang the Christmas carols. Um, And so it's always a challenge to find something new. But, you know, by the Holy Spirit, we can find something new because there's always something new about Jesus that we can learn and that we can glean from. And so I'm going to start by reading from the passage that I'm going to be talking from, which is Matthew 2, I think from verse 9 till 12. This is the New Living Translation. And it says, After this interview, the wise men went their way, When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. So I don't know what your favorite uh, Christmas carols are. Um, I mean, I love that one. Silent Night is a good one. Um, oh, Holy Night is another amazing one. But one that I love that I don't know how many people love it, but I do, is... Um, we Three Kings of Oriental. <laughs> I love that carol. It's so odd, I find. I think the melody is that combination of the melody and the story of a journey of these uh, three kings that are going to see Jesus. And I feel like it takes us on that journey with them. And it's, it's very much like the journey of faith that we all have to go on to see Jesus. But I just want to start by kind of busting some myths about these so-called three kings. First of all, the magi were magicians. It says it in the name. They were astrologers. They were pagans. Um, The Bible clearly says they're from the east. But it doesn't tell us that there were three of them. Neither does it tell us that they were kings. So uh, the three probably comes from the fact that they gave three gifts. But uh, commentators say there may be as many as 12 that came to Jesus. Um, They're not quite sure where in the east. Some say they were Persians, maybe coming from the place where Iraq is or Iran. Some say they were Arabs. Some say they were Syrians. So there are lots of mystery around these men. Or some even believe that they were not necessarily all men. So that's an interesting uh, thing. But whatever they, they were, we know for sure that their purpose was to worship. They came to worship. It may have taken them at least two years to get to Jesus. And it was by seeing the star that had risen. You see, the Magi were seekers. They were schooled in... Um, Looking at the stars and reading from them, there were dreamers. There were dream interpreters, such as people who are similar to those who Daniel encountered uh, when he went to Babylon. You know, Daniel became the chief of uh, of 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 of, of uh, the wise men in that in that nation, and this is where perhaps they may have heard of this prophecy that had been passed down, that there would be a king. There would be a star that would rise in Israel, and there would be a king. And that's how perhaps they had heard word of, um, of this king, of this star. The first thing I want to say about that is that God is a God of seekers. He's a God of the watchers. Those who, like the wise men, are willing to seek him. The Bible says, like, when we go to the, basically it encourages us to seek him. Isaiah 55, 6 said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. The wise men did that. They didn't just hear about the prophecy. They actually took action. They came out of their own country. They came out of their own comfort zone. And I believe these are the seekers that God wants from He wants to make us those types of people who not only hear the message of the gospel, but who seek him, who look for him. It's amazing to me that they would have taken a journey of two years to get to see Jesus. Imagine what it would have been like for them. The obstacles that they would have gone through the exhaustion, the doubt, the fears, maybe the quarrels along the way. Maybe they would have gotten lost, but they did not lose sight of the star. They determined in their heart that they would find the king. And this is what I believe the Lord is seeking from us, that we would be the type of seekers who are relentless in pursuit of him. So it moves on. Verse 11 says, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. I love this. Not only did they seek him and they saw the star and they were overjoyed, but when they entered, they saw the child. I believe it's so much more than just physical seeing. It was the culmination of their whole journey. They had been hoping. They had heard the prophecy. They had been longing. They had been walking. They had been dreaming. They had been discussing. Imagine. And finally, finally, they see him. What an incredible thing. They don't just see him physically, but they had revelation that this was the king that they were seeking. This was Jesus, the Messiah. So the difference between a seeker and a worshiper is revelation. That is what God desires for each one to have. True revelation of who he is. That he is the king. And he is worthy of our worship. You know, it's not enough for us to hear the message. It's not enough for us to sing the carols. It's not enough for us to have the presence. We must have revelation. And revelation comes through the Holy Spirit as he shows us who Jesus truly is. I hate to break it to you. Jesus is not just the child in the manger. He became a man, and not only a man, but he was sinless. And not only was he sinless, but he gave himself for us. He gave himself for us. He was the sacrifice that God required for our sin. And now he is the ruling king. That is the revelation that we are supposed to have. You know, Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to have a relationship with us. God with us, Emmanuel. I love how the message says it. It says, God moved into our neighborhood. I love that. And some people even say, God, Jesus is God with skin on. Really love that. So to truly worship him, we need to see him. For who he truly is. The king of kings. So if you're unable to worship, you find it difficult to worship. I would say to you, do you really see Jesus? Because worship is about sight. Before you worship, you've got to see him. Do you see him this morning? You know, one of the passages I've kind of been like contemplating again and going back again is Revelation 4 and there's a lot going on in that in that in that passage but what i love is the creatures around the throne especially the weird ones the ones with the eyes they've got loads of eyes all over them and i don't know if that's symbolic or literal but what i love about that is They've got all these eyes to see God. And as they see God, they worship. They say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And they continue because they keep seeing dimensions of God. They go deeper and deeper. Every eye is looking at him and it causes them to worship. So this morning, do you see Jesus? Because if you see him, you will worship him. Open our eyes, oh God, that we might see. And then we go forth and it says that not only did they see the child with his mother, they bowed down. Other translations say they fell down. The message says they were overcome. They fell down and they worshipped him. They prostrated themselves before him. You see, truly seeing Jesus as the king of kings will have an effect on you. It will cause you to bow down. Bowing down is a sign of surrender. It's a sign of giving yourself. It's a sign of humility. You know, you can't even approach God until you bow down. Until you come from a place of humility. It says in his word that God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. So if you're truly seeking Jesus. I'll just encourage you, bow down, humble yourself, surrender. And as you do that, you will get a revelation of who he is. Anytime we are still standing and holding on to our rights, those are the places that we are blind to who Jesus truly is. Hallelujah. Not only did they bow down, they worshipped him. So it goes like this, they saw him for who he was, they surrendered, and then they worshipped. To worship is to honor, it is to glorify, it is to give yourself to him. You know, we live in a culture full of idols, literally idols, pop idols, celebrities, all sorts of idols, finances, anything can be an idol. Worship is happening everywhere around us. But what separates the true and false worshipers is this revelation of Jesus. It's this surrender to him. This Christmas, God is calling all to truly worship Jesus, to see him for who he is and to give of ourselves. And then it says, Then after this, they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Worship is love bearing gifts. Just as God gave us the ultimate gift of Jesus, we give gifts at Christmas to each other because love and worship must express itself. It must have an outworking a popular uh, a ministry i really love they have a saying they say love looks like something so it's not enough to just say the words love but it has to be tangible it must have expression so our worship of jesus can never be without expression we have to open our treasures what does that look like? That means opening our whole lives to him. That means opening up our hearts. It means opening up our lives, opening up our bank accounts, opening up our talents, our treasures, our time, our fill in the blank. But as we open up, then we can truly express worship that is worthy of him. Hallelujah. And it says that they gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, I mean, the passage doesn't actually tell you what these three things signified, so we're kind of reading into the passage. But uh, some commentators say that gold represents the kingship of Jesus, that he was royalty, and that he is royalty. Frankincense, that he was—he is the priest, and it's also a symbol of deity. And worship and myrrh being a symbol uh, of a balm, it signifies that he was going to die. A preparation of the body is what they would use with myrrh. See, all these gifts were prophetic gifts, they spoke of who Jesus truly is. And isn't it amazing that these pagan astrologers, these pagan people, They got such a revelation of Jesus that they were able to give him gifts that were worthy of him. See, when we worship, when we go through this journey of seeing, of bowing down, of worshiping, we become a prophetic people, a people who speak of who Jesus truly is. Wise men set off on that journey to worship. And wise men still do. And it says that they were warned in a dream not to go back to Herod. They returned to their own country by another way. You see, after encountering Jesus, after they would seen Jesus, and they bowed down and they worshipped him, they gave him what was precious to them. They worshipped. They were never the same. I believe the fact that it said that they went another way, of course they physically went another way to avoid Herod but it's it's a symbol also how we when we come to Jesus when we see him for who he is we cannot stay the same it is impossible it is impossible so i want to just challenge you this morning do you see Jesus do you see him for who he is that he is the king he's not just the baby in the manger He's not just some tradition that we have over and over every year. He is a king, and he is alive. And how do we know that you know or that I know this? It's how we worship. That is the proof. Are you able to give him your all this morning? Because worship costs something. It always will. And he is worthy absolutely worthy of our worship. Hallelujah.